Well, that was my 18-wheeler uh, wheeler impersonation that I just did. And that's all the talent I have. So today, um, we'll be talking um, about a portion in Acts. And if you want to turn there and uh, stick your finger in there or get your phone ready, whatever, um, I'll just give you a little preliminary heads up on it. It's going to be Acts 20, uh, excuse me, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Just a few verses. It'll be Acts 2, 42 through 47. So Acts is just after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts. It's important to follow along in Scripture in one form or another. We have Bibles under the pews, too, and please um, make those available to yourselves if, you, if you'd like them. As I look out over here, um, it's, this is, this is a, a good thing to talk about uh, today. And um, it, it's talking about how the people were and what happened back in the time of Acts. And it's so apropos and re, uh, relates to us today at Conduit Church, Jamestown, New York. I want to read it, and then we'll go back over it in detail. But in Acts 2, um, we, will, we will just pick out um, verses after, after I... Uh, after I read this. but And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing, distributing to proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Amen. Acts 20, the whole book of Acts is really just that. A record, a recording, it's telling us of the action of the church once it got going. And it's, it's really um, not loaded with, shall we say, doctrine and heavy theological things. It's a recording, an account by Luke, who had a medical background, who was a detailed person, and he simply recorded what happened during that time. And the time being roughly the span of Acts covered the actions and the, the events that went on from roughly 28 A.D. to 70 A.D. 
So it went basically from Jesus' death and resurrection to, the, to Paul and Peter being martyred. So that's the time period that's in there. So it's an account, a documentary of action, if you will. What I love about Conduit is there's such a mixture of people here from all walks of life, all problems, all, all um, professions. Um, it, it's truly um, a, just a mixture of people. And I often think about that in the biblical times or in the um, New Testament times that um, you know, there were so many cultures, so many groups of people that, um, that Jesus encountered and the apostles encountered, and they themselves were a mixture of people. And that's good. That's good. And that's, that I wouldn't have it any other way. At Conduit, that's, that's the love, uh, the love that atmosphere is something that um, is very unique because We've probably all seen churches that could get um, kind of like a, their own personality and they get their own uh, types of people. And, um, and sometimes it can, it can be an isolation factor involved. And, uh, and uh, we're kind of like a, like a small group of what America is, just a combination of, of so many people that, that makes everything... Um, work well and is strong and uh, it lends itself to what the Lord wants to do with us. When we had that day um, last Saturday of when we did the work in here um, it was a, I, I kept thinking because I've been studying this what am I going to say and it was a lot like that um, as I was reading and studying this, that day, that work day, was interesting because um, we really hadn't had one like that, at least in recent history. So you had folks that didn't know each other uh, in some situations, doing a lot of different jobs together here. So even something that just went on for about three hours, it was, it was really interesting to listen to the people because they were talking about, what do you do? And I didn't know you do that. Well, I work there, and um, I've never seen you. And, you know, just uh, that conversation of going back and forth was a thing of beauty. Um, and the laughter and the fun involved in being together and doing things. Um, and at one point when I was walk, walking along, I walked out here, and... Devin and Marla, no, Marla and Devin were working up here. And uh, they were painting this base here. And all of a sudden I heard them laughing and, and uh, kind of really laughing. And I thought, well, I got to see what's going on up here. And I walk up and they're, they're, they're so uh, Devin's over here, Marla's over here. And she's laughing like mad, and he's he's just laughing, and he's going, "You can't do that, you know." And there was some conversation going on, and what Marla had done was over here where the speakers, 
and the covers for the speakers, and she painted them. <laughs> and, uh, and she had painted over this fabric, as you look at the fabric over here. And it was really a funny moment, because she didn't realize that until then. And Deb said, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and uh, so that was just one instance of a, a, a funny situation. The other thing I learned that working around here, I was getting depressed looking at the storage rooms downstairs and utility rooms and what, what I said, how are we ever going to do this? Well, I learned that when you put ladies in charge of getting rid of stuff, oh my, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. They were brutal. They were brutal. They got rid of so much stuff and we filled Jake's trailer and the dumpster and and I, I just never thought it was going to happen. Um, the boiler room and, uh, you know, just so many places. That, and then, you know, they cleaned them and you could have done surgery in the place where we used to park the tractor, Walt. You know, it was, it was uh, but it was, it was that teamwork, you know, that was that, it was that um, people just getting together and enjoying doing a form of God's work. Uh, that day, actually. As we, we look at um, Acts 4, or Acts 42, it's broken down into, it's interesting, Acts 42 says what they, certain tenets, what they needed to do, I'm sorry, Acts 42 and Acts 2, um, what they needed to do to build that church, and then the rest of the verses are the results of it. So when we read that at the beginning, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Remember the apostles? The guys who couldn't get it together? The guys who were always scratching their head that Jesus used to um, say, you don't, he gets it, but you guys don't. And he was always, uh, they were selfish, and they were arguing. Remember when, when, uh, when Jesus washed their feet and their attitude before that. And, and all of a sudden now, Pentecost has come. The apostles have the Holy Spirit and the Lord's using them mightily. These are different men now. The, the torch has been passed to them. And now it's their job to, to lead the people that the Lord's adding to them mightily. We see just before these verses, uh, 3,000 some people were added. God wanted to grow the church, and he wanted to grow it fast. He really wanted to be aggressive, and uh, he wanted them aggressive. So now these apostles are amazing, and everybody wants to listen. Everybody wants to learn from them. And, and so we have a different set of men that have taken over and we have all these people coming on board, men and women that, that are just on fire and are going to be moving that church forward quickly. So the apostles are teaching. So these people devoted themselves to the apostles to listen, to learn, and to understand. So that was the, the first thing that was hugely important for the early church to do. Fellowship. 
You know, there's a difference between uh, just saying hey to somebody on the street and talking to them and really having fellowship, getting to know them, um, sacrificing sometimes with them. Uh, we, we know that we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And the body of Christ, is, is, it should, that should be the most prevalent group of people that do that. And so um, the fellowship that they had The fellowship they had was developing into something really special that would be needed because um, along with their, their zeal would come great persecution and hard times and death and destruction. And um, so they, you know, these had to be, the Lord had to make them into tough, strong people so that they could keep on keeping on bringing forth the gospel. To the breaking of bread. There were two parts to this. The breaking of bread as far as communion and what we know as communion. And then also um, the breaking of bread more in fellowship or on a, on a social um, togetherness type of, a, type of an arrangement. So that can be uh, taken either way. The breaking of bread here when we do communion, if, uh, if you have not been here, um, is, is uh, you can feel the, the binding, the coming together as people um, come for the, the bread and the juice. And we know that that's symbolic. We don't, um, there's no transformation there of the bread and the juice, but it is a wonderful service, uh, memorial service, reminding us of the death, um, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the new life that we have in him. The thing to remember is this is being spoken of as what it should be like in the church. The Christian people that are there now um, are believers and and they're gathering in the name of Jesus, the same as we are gathering here. So we have two types of people that have come here. We have believers in Jesus Christ, and we have we and a, really a, a crowd the size of this. We may have non-believers in Jesus Christ, and we welcome with open arms both groups. But um, the thing to remember is we gather here because it's a worship service worshiping Jesus. And that's why we're here. If we didn't have that, if we didn't have believers worshiping Jesus Christ, uh, we, well, there wouldn't be any, any church. There wouldn't, there wouldn't be any uh, reason for it. So when people come in, the guests that, that we love having come in or people that are considering the church, um, we love to have you here and, that's, and we, we encourage that and want that and want to follow up with you also and, um, and talk to you more about um, either the faith, if you're not a believer, or about Conduit Church. But we need to remember there are some things that are just for believers because they're believers. And so worshiping 
Jesus Christ as you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It just makes sense. Communion is for believers. And baptism is for believers. But it's not that we're excluding anybody. But this is what they're, they're saying here is, um, this is how you need to act. It's important for those who are believers that they, that they must do these things for us to have a successful church. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, um, it's a great, beautiful day to do it today, if, if, if you don't. Um, that's the difference, and it's a huge difference. And, and all of us, at a certain point in time, have come to that decision and that faith in Jesus Christ. And um, not only is it life-changing, but um, as you change and your life goes forward, um, then you have responsibilities. And um, it's, a, it's something that everybody in one form or another has wrestled with a bit in their lives. Um, with me, I wrestled until I was 44. I was a slow learner. Um, and um, until I came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But, and although it's simple, there's a heavy commitment to it. And that um, you must understand that Jesus, there was no way for us to escape our sins. And the Jewish people were um, bound by laws and constant sacrifices. And Jesus then came and he was that one sacrifice. And he died on the cross for our sins. He was, there's a big word called propitiation, and it means a substitute. And he's, he came in, he was the substitutionary lamb. So there's no more bulls, no more goats, no more wheat, none of that, no more 500 and some laws that you couldn't keep. It was now Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the sacrifice. You believe in him that he died for your sins on the cross. Um, you're a child of God then. And so that's, that's the difference um, between the believing people that are here and uh, if you have not made that, that choice yet. So that breaking of bread um, is also a wonderful thing when we get together, whether we do it here or whether we do it in our homes. I've been talking about the church here um, and we do a lot here, there's a lot of activity, but doing things together, fellowship out of your homes, uh, your apartments, or getting together at another place, um, that's an important part of what they did and what we should be doing. And we should be looking for other people that we don't know and we want to make sure we know them, that they feel welcome, uh, just did a great thing yesterday when, uh, and we had a meeting and had a, a security team meeting and, and also hospitality and uh, laying out and reminding us of some things that we should do as new people come into our church and, um, and then everybody comes into our church and how we make them feel welcome and how we can assist them and, uh, and make their, their entrance here uh, as good as possible. When we read on, we continue to read on in here, and the prayers. And the prayers are, 
are very helpful. The prayers are needed so much. And it's the basis of the faith. Other faiths, you just, you just don't have a God you can talk to. And that's the beauty of the Christian faith, is you're just, in prayer, you're just talking to God. And, and uh, no matter what it may be, he knows what you think anyways. So um, it's a wonderful thing to have that conversation with him. Um, I gotta say, probably, let's see, last night till, um, I'll bet you um, this, today, especially, I'll bet um, five people prayed with me before I came up here. You know, that's, that's powerful, you know, and that's something that we need to do um, in, in our own silence and then with each other and corporately. And sometimes it can be very uh, difficult and intimidating to do, especially if you're a newer believer, but it is such a powerful thing for you to do, affirming with others, and then when you pray, especially with people who are maybe having some difficulties that um, are not believers, that is something the world cannot offer. It's something so powerful, and, and the Lord wants us to be praying that that's part of um, our daily life and our citizenship as uh, people in the in Acts church. So then, as we go on through uh, to verse 43, now the results. If you look there, it says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So Jesus um, was on earth doing those things when, when the apostles were with him, and then when he goes to be with God, when he is um, resurrected, it's the apostles now who have some very unusual powers and strengths that they can use to build that church quickly like God wants done. And those were special gifts given to them, to the apostles, at the beginning of the church. And so um, we still have miracles, we still have healings, we still have um, those things today. That's, that's the same in 2021 as it was back in 70 AD. Um, but the apostles were people who were really given that power to do that, to show wonders and signs to the masses to get them converted. And that was, that was another, can you imagine, to, um, think back when the apostles sometimes were just arguing back and forth to now these guys I have a healing ministry. They're working wonders and signs throughout the world. That's, that's an amazing thing, how the, the Lord trans, trans, transferred them from that life to, uh, to now just being a powerhouses for the Lord. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And those things in common, of course, would be the faith and all the things that the the fruits of the faith that develop and they build that and that's the beauty of getting together 
assembling together, coming to church, is that you build those common things together, things we don't even realize that we're doing, um, and, and that closeness that we get. Um, uh, we ha having things in common is important to God. Selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. No, it wasn't a hippie commune. No, it, was, it isn't communism. Um, they still owned their own things. They did it out of their own free accord. And uh, it, it was something that they wanted to do. And there's a term about, and I'm sure many of you know about, holding things loose loosely in our lives. Uh, we hold, we hold um, you know, our possessions loosely so that we may use them. Um, you know, we hold a lot because we know um, that there are a lot of things that life throws at us. And so they learned to hold things loosely. Um, and so their possessions, uh, they used their possessions a lot. When you became a believer, many times um, you lost your job, your status, you were persecuted, um, and you were starving. I mean, it was, it, becoming a believer then was a serious thing. And um, so, they, so they, they supported each other. And if, you know, if, if they, somebody needed something and they really thought, yeah, I can do without this, and, and uh, they sold those things and gave them. And there was no certain percentages and there was no um, mandates. They just gave and they gave um, abundantly and joyfully. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Interesting that at the early church, met still in the synagogues and the temples, um, the Jewish temples. They got away with that for a while. And uh, so they used the temples to meet in, and eventually uh, that came to an end. So, f but uh, from the combination of in their homes and even out in, in the open or um, in the temples, that's what they were, where they were meeting. Churches, formal structures, really didn't start. Uh, until like 300 or so did they start building uh, churches uh, and facilities for them. If you, if you think about the priorities involved in that, um, their priority really wasn't having, uh, you know, a comfortable church, comfortable pews and air conditioning and, and uh, uh, all the things that we are used to, that wasn't, of course, they didn't have it then. But, um, but it was, it was, they weren't concerned so much um, with symbols and creating monuments to God. They wanted that money and they wanted their efforts to go to the, to the teaching of the gospel and to the brothers and sisters. Think now how it's gone to the huge palaces, to the, to the grand uh, edifices, the grand 
the grand monuments and um, places of churches where there's thousands and thousands of people. Um, it, it's something that um, I think a lot of times I think people need to um, think more of what the pr priority would be, where can that money be best spent. That's what I love about Conduit. You know, we found this vacant building and just started um, building and, and remodeling and, and um, as things progress, um, making it into a, a building with common sense and, and uh, not something that is built uh, to us, uh, but something that's very effective for promoting the gospel of Jesus. And then when they, they met in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So there's always joy and there's always appreciation. There's always people who are understanding how great the Lord is, how much he's provided, and every day understanding that. You know, there's a, there's a term, um, I guess, that in today. Today, people uh, think that, well, most of us are the famous word ordinary. Ordinary people. And it has a pretty negative connotation now. And that's who Jesus wants and who he uses is ordinary people. He loves ordinary people. And reason being is we can do the best work. We know people because we're ordinary people among ordinary people. And it should, should so, so often, um, you know, we think of uh, education and we think of obviously money and we see people with money, huge amounts of money as you travel around and, and, um, and you look at, look at those situations and you think, first of all, I always think, man, what that money could be used for in better ways than multi-million dollar houses. But um, ordinary people are the ones that are in contact with people. Generally, people in no, that strata in our country um, are with certain people. The masses is what Jesus... Think, think of, the, think of the, the... The guys that are the apostles now, that are the teachers, were pretty rough characters very rough characters, and they were more than ordinary, and now he's using them as the, as the mainstays of the faith. The other thing that um, is hugely important that comes out of ordinary people that have that love for Jesus and that they're, they're willing to do those things is generally ordinary people are dependable and um, steady and steadfast. And that's the other thing that the church, a characteristic of the early church was, it was steadfast. Steady, and both those terms actually are nautical terms, and uh, they come from uh, steady. We all know about being steady, steady on your feet, uh, and uh, steady at work, or, um, you know, that, that term's used a lot. But actually in sailing that steady, means um, that you've got your, your ship or your boat on a steady course. It's actually designed to heel at an angle, but steady on, you'll hear a term um, in a lot with 
uh, was nautical things, steady on. And fast means um, that then they would take their ropes and tie that, say the wheel of that ship, and they would tie that through the, with the cleat and they would make it fast, they call it. So term making it fast. So you will hear sometimes riggers when they're using rigging and they have certain terminology and uh, a lot of times their exact term making it fast means um, put it on that cleat and making it solid. So the, it was steadfast, um, that early church, and that's what we should seek also, that steadfastness. <clears throat> I want to read um, one of the references I was using, the Bible, uh, the Believer's Bible Commentary by William MacDonald. And um, I just want to read something he has as, a, as one of his observations about the early church. The most notable thing about the life of the early Christians was their vivid sense of being a people of God, called and set apart. The Christian church, in their thought, was a divine, not a human institution. It was founded and controlled by God, and even the world was created for its sake. This conception controlled all the life of the early Christians, both individual and social. They regarded themselves as separate from the rest of the world and bound together by peculiar ties. Their citizenship was in heaven, not on earth, and the principles and the laws by which they strove to govern themselves were from above. The present world was temporary, and their true life was the future. Christ was soon to return, and the employments and labors and pleasures of this age were of small concern to them. In the everyday life of Christians, the Holy Spirit was present, and all the Christian graces were the fruits. A result of this belief was to give their lives a, pe a peculiarity and enthusiastic and inspirational character. Theirs was not the everyday experiences of ordinary people, but of people lifted out of themselves and transported into a higher sphere. We must always remember if, say for the, uh, this past week, if the world told you um, you were ordinary or you were ugly or you were lower class, um, Jesus loves you and thinks you're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> If we talk about decisions then, as far as how are we going to, how are we going to act in the church at Conduit, um, we must realize that um, we look at scripture, this is God's mind and heart for us, and as 
as we read scripture and as we're in the word all the time, um, that's how he speaks to us. It's his mind, it's his heart. And so when, when, um, when we're about his business here, it is important that um, we look back and remember that um, the people we have the people we have gone before, the blood that was, was spilled by them, the blood of the martyrs that has brought us forward, brought, brought us to this day, um, there was a, a hard price. And of course, the hardest price was Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we must never forget that, but um, always have that in our minds and our hearts. So that... Um, as we have our work parties or as we have somebody that somebody that um, may be experiencing difficult times, somebody that um, has health problems. There are so many things in a group like this, so many problems. We must be there just like the early church, the Acts church. Remember Acts, let us take action. That's that's the key to it. Let us take action. That's what the Lord wants us to be about. <clears throat> and there, I guess the, the, an Old Testament verse is probably um, the most apropos. And, um, and it's Joshua. And we, you know, Joshua is just one of my favorite um, men of the faith. And he asked us, he asked us to choose from our past. Do we want to, do we want to live in our past, um, our, our histories, our heritage in sin, our times when um, maybe even our, our families um, are wrong. Um, we all need to make our decision the same today in our church. What are you going to do? Are you going to be a man and woman of action um, or not? And this is what Joshua has to say as he, as he was dying and he was saying uh, goodbye to the Jewish people. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I just would like uh, Eric to come on up for a minute, if you would, Eric. Eric is going to preach next week, and I'm so happy about that. Yeah, come on up here. You can see Eric and I work out together. Yep. <laughs> Eric, um, would you just, just tell the folks a little bit about your background, your, yourself? 
Oh, what you do. man. That's a, how big, how big just a, a short, just, no, just a, what right. you do for a living and, what, and your family. And all right, uh, all right. I'm Eric Clark. I live in Warren, Pennsylvania, across the border. Um, I work for a small oil company in Warren. Um, I have exactly four kids, two <laughs> boys, two girls. Uh, let's see, I got a seven, six, four, two are their ages. Um, That's good. That gives us I a... Mean, I'm old? I'm just getting revved up. <laughs> <laughs> That's not I've been here for like two years. Um, good, yeah. And I'm, I'm friends here. All right. Eric, okay. So Eric will be here next year. Uh, okay. Next year, next, uh, next week, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we look forward to that. Stay right up here, we'll, uh, and um, and also uh, as a benediction, um, if you all want to stand, I just would like to pray for Eric, and then also um, just to offer the benediction, if we could. Father, as we gather here, we thank you. Thank you so much for the people of Conduit. We thank you for the uh, new people that have come. We thank you for those who may at this time in their hearts be considering the faith that they would seek us out to know more about Jesus. We thank you for Eric and having a, a young man come up and, and, uh, and the young warrior coming up for you that's going to uh, bring forth the word. And it's a benediction. And without, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Remember, Jesus loves all of you.